Hi, this is Dave, and I just wrapped up one of the most interesting interviews I've ever had on the IC Disc Show podcast. My guest was Dean Jackson, a real renaissance uh, guy of an entrepreneur who uh, really has some really incredible businesses and some just really great ideas. Uh, his company's tagline is they help entrepreneurs make more money. Uh, this was a great far ranging conversation. Uh, I think Dean charges several thousand dollars for a one hour consultation and you can get his wisdom uh, for free today. We talked about some really transformative concepts that he pioneered. And we also talked about why this coronavirus, aka COVID-19 shutdown, could be the opportunity of a lifetime for most people. But it is their attitude that will ultimately determine whether this was the best thing that could have happened to them or the worst thing. And uh, he had some just really interesting insights on things. And we talked about this idea that I've been thinking about as far as uh, uh, a quote from Henry Ford. And we uh, we dove into that. Anyway, we didn't talk anything about icy disc, but I think it may be. Uh, incredibly valuable for any entrepreneur or anybody in a role where they're responsible for generating revenue. Hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Hi, Dean. Hey, there he is. So are you uh, in Winter Haven today? I am, yes, at the lovely Four Seasons Valhalla in Winter Haven. <laughs> Which is the name for your house, right? That's exactly right. We are bunkered in and, yes, Excellent. luxuriating, yes, in home comfort. And what's, uh, what's the, yeah, what's the weather and temperature like? I'm always conditioned to, to always want to know what the weather and condition and uh, beautiful right now. Let's see, weather today. Well, it's a, it's a hot one today, Dave. It's 90 degrees right now. Okay. And cloudy? Yeah. Sunny? 90, not a cloud in the sky. Okay. Not humid, though, so it feels nice today. I well, was out earlier this good. morning. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you for being a guest on uh, my podcast. I'm excited. I, uh, I am, too. Well, let's, uh, let's get started. Let me, uh, let, okay. me read your, let me read your bio. It should only take okay. about 20 minutes to go through okay, it, so perfect. I'll try to shorten it. <laughs> so, uh, so Dean Jackson, um, so I'm not even sure how to describe you, but I'll take a shot at it. Uh, okay. You're a published author, host True. of multiple podcasts, True. an entrepreneur, yep. owner of multiple companies, yep. a consultant. A coach, mm-hmm. and formerly a world-class tennis player, I believe. That's wow! This is like I feel like this is your life. <laughs> so, but how do you describe what you and your companies do? So, overriding our you know simple organizing purpose is that we help entrepreneurs make more money. That's really the bottom line of what we do. And that means that's our kind of guiding core so that all of the things that we do, we're not an education company that's teaching technical skills or teaching theory or teaching, you know, how to do this or that. We are a 
you know, strategic, um, you know, providing coaching and tools that are directly related to increasing revenue. And whether it's through uh, generating new clients, through uh, generating referrals, all of the um, things we, we talk about in this holistic approach to businesses that divide them into a before unit, a during unit, and an after unit. And all of those with an eye on, um, on maximizing revenue. Excellent. Well, that's uh, that is a good summary. Um, what so uh, like? What are the types of companies who most benefit from the type of work you do? Or, or maybe give us an example uh, to just kind of help understand uh, for our listeners to understand uh, some ways yeah. to help companies. Perfect. So there's so many. Like any any business, um, you know, you've seen the uh, model that we use, which is our breakthrough DNA process where, and I call it that the breakthrough DNA process, because we've identified eight profit activators that are universally present in every business. And they are um, all there, whether people are, are paying attention to them, aware of them, um, you know, moving the knobs and dials that control them um, or not. And they are all universally present, but they manifest differently in every business. So I've had a long, you know, starting now since 1988, 32 years now of um, experience working on on this model. And I say, you know, the first 10 years was unconsciously working on the model without the name for it and without the, the uh, structure around it. And the last 22 years consciously with the, uh, once I identified the, the system. And so I've seen the application of it in businesses from, you know, the real estate business, to the coaching business, to uh, industrial businesses, to uh, mainframe outsourcing for Fortune 1000 companies business, franchise operations, um, you know, business to consumer companies, business to business. And it's, I've seen so many different types of, of businesses um, that when you apply all of the things that um, you, you see, how many things work in other businesses, there's always a way to, um, to find the way to uh, apply it to your business. Okay. It's really, well, been the fun thing for me. Sure, sure. And you, uh, you have a podcast where every week you do just this with a different uh, business owner, right? Isn't that That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. And what's the name of that podcast? So that one is called More Cheese, Less Whiskers, which is one of our philosophies of doing uh, of business is that, you know, you focus on the results that people are going to get more than 
you make your approach to things about them more than it's about you, you know? Right. And what, and what, and what does that name mean? Cause the first time I heard that, I'll be honest, I was, I misunderstood. Were, yeah. I thought so it meant like me as the consumer buying cheese. I wanted more cheese. <laughs> and I wanted less animal whiskers in my, in my cheese. That, but I don't, I don't think that was the idea, funny. was it? Well, how that podcast came to be was uh, out of the I Love Marketing podcast, which is crystal clear in the name of what that one's about, sure. uh, is that we I started talking about this idea that I was curious, why are mice used in psychological testing? You know, because it turns out that they're motivation systems and response systems are very similar to the way humans respond to things. And I started thinking about it that the reality for a mouse is that they have a very simple life. The two prime directives of a mouse are get cheese and avoid cats. That's pretty much it for a mouse. And I started thinking about that. Yeah, exactly. whiskers. What I look at is that you don't have to convince a mouse to try some cheese. They're drawn to it. They're seeking it out. And if there's cheese on the other side of a three-inch wooden door, they'll chew their way through the door to get to it. But as soon as they sense whiskers, as soon as they sense a, a cat, on the other side, they'll run away because we're conditioned that it's we're always skittish about uh, it's more important to live than it is to to get that cheese, right? So mm-hmm. I learned I learned something interesting about evolutionary psychology and how that applies to us. That why bad news is always more motivating. Um, is that we're weighted, we're genetically wired to put more importance on negative news than on positive news. Because if it was a 50-50, if we had to evaluate every piece of incoming information and make a decision on whether is that cat close enough to get to me or uh, anything, that we would be extinct as a species because we don't have time to evaluate this stuff. So at a mitochondrial level, we're wired that it's almost like if you touch a hot stove, before you can logically figure that out, your hand is immediately drawn away from that. And that's Mm -hmm. the way that we as consumers are looking at the things that we're considering, right? Like we want to seek out the cheese, which is the good thing, the result, the benefit, the outcome that we're seeking from an interaction with a company. But as soon as we sense whiskers or a sense of that this could be a trick or a trap or a, uh, you know, somebody's more interested in a sale than my outcome or my well-being that we are wired to withdraw from that or to run away Mm -hmm. from that so the longer 
that you can keep your um, the longer you can keep your prospective customers' view on the outcome and the cheese, and that the collaboration with you is going to lead to that cheese with certainty, the better off you are. Ah, that so. So uh, another way to to think about this is that uh, you could have, you know, say six really positive conversations with a potential customer, but if you have one really negative conversation, like where they sense that you're just trying to sell them something, that's that, exactly right. That, that that one negative thing in the mind of the customer will more than offset those six very positive conversations, right? That's exactly right. Yes, that's okay. exactly right. And it's such a balance because part of the part of the process is educating and motivating people. And when they're properly educated and uh, convinced that something is the right course of action, there's nothing. Their their own momentum is going to carry them towards you. You know, and a lot of times people spend um, a lot of time trying to convince people um, when they're not they're not ready yet, you know? Right. Well, and that reminds me. Yeah, no, I was going to say it reminds me of. So so just uh, uh, to be clear to the listeners, I've known Dean for for a number of years because we're both uh, uh, clients in the strategic coach program uh, and we're both big fans of Dan Sullivan. And uh, one of the interesting uh, research items that I learned from you several years ago is around the percentage of people who ultimately buy, how many yeah. of them buy in the first 30 days. Can you uh, walk oh. us through that? How sure. those numbers play out? Yeah, because I had always been uh, you know, a, a student of lead conversion. Is, you know, when you start learning direct response and you start learning how to run ads to generate leads, then the next evolution of that ultimately is you start to observe, well, why doesn't everybody buy or, or why, you know, why, why, what's happening here? And mm -hmm. so what I, that took me down a real um, study of it and realizing that I came across a, a company that does nothing but um, lead management at an enterprise level for all kinds of industries, right? And they would do, uh, they would generate millions of leads a year you know, for big corporations like, say, um, Kohler for faucets. People go to home shows and inquire about faucets or they respond to a, a magazine ad or on the website and request literature or request information about Kohler faucets. This company would handle the fulfillment of those um, leads and then pass them on to the, the sales team. And what they did that was very smart was they started doing something they called did you buy surveys. So they would call people up they would take a sampling and, uh, you know, people who had responded 90 days ago and people who'd responded 
you know, 120 days ago and six months ago. And they would uh, do a survey that would just ask one question. They call you up and say, um, Dave, you came to the home show, you inquired about faucets. Have you bought any faucets? And that's the only question they would ask is whatever it was that they had inquired about, did you buy any faucets or did you buy a, uh, a new deck or did you buy a, a washer dryer or whatever people have inquired about? And what they found in their research was that of, any, of uh, all the people that inquired about anything, just over half of them would buy what it is they inquired about in the next 18 months. But only 15% of them would do it in the first 90 days. So that means that there's five times more people. If, you were, if we were to generate a bundle, a cohort of 100 leads today, and we were to march them out. And I was like, I set up for my model, I was like to be conservative. So my model is to take a hundred leads today and march them out for not 18 months, but two years and sure. downgrade the expectation to 50%. So my model is that my expectation is that 50% of the people who inquired today will buy something in this category that they've inquired about, whether it's a new car, a new boat, a new uh, law firm, accounting service, uh, whatever it is, they're gonna buy that within the next two years. But the only time, the only thing is that there's only two time frames. There's now or not now. And that's mm -hmm. taken me, that's a, that's a new realization for me in the last three years. That's my, the latest sort of iteration of all of this, that the, rather than trying to time up a sales cycle, like if they say, it's going to be six months that we call back in three months or that they say it's 90 days. We call back in 45 days or whatever, mm -hmm. rather than trying to stock pick, like to time the market and be a, uh -huh. uh, you know, a stock picker. I'm taking more like Warren Buffett's approach of being a value investor and stay invested in the market that I've got these 100 leads. I'm going to stay in contact with them continuously for a hundred weeks, right? A hundred times a hundred. Right. That's two years of weekly, um, and weekly is the right cadence in most cases, in some cases monthly, or I wouldn't go less than monthly. If you're doing monthly, if you're doing something by print weekly, if you're doing something by email or bi-weekly, um, and not trying to ever then time it and reach back out to people, but to see who are the five-star prospects. And what I mean by that is that at any time, 
in order for somebody to do business with us, they're going to have to meet five criteria. First of all, they have to be willing to engage in the dialogue. Then they've yeah. got to be friend, friendly and cooperative when we talk with them. Yeah. They've got to know what they want. They've got okay. to be ready to get it. And they've got to want us to help them. Those mm-hmm. are the five. So five stars. I look at those as like the staged lighting at the drag races, right? The first one, comes right. on, the second one. And then we, we bail out if it's, if at any point they're not moving to the next level, there's no, um, you know, there's, we need to stay at that level until we determine that they're ready to move to the next. Now, what traditional marketing and what, especially online marketing has really um, done is they approach it from the bottom up instead of from the top down. They, they generate leads online and then they start saying to people, here's what you should buy and you should buy it now because I don't know how long we're going to keep this up or how, you know, this is going away after midnight. This is the lowest price you're going to get. They're trying to induce people to buying now. Right. Mm, And so I look at it that if they have to be all five, then why not just start at the top and see who's willing to engage in a dialogue? Right. When they when they respond, if they're if we can just engage them and ask by email a simple question to engage somebody in a dialogue. Somebody comes to our real estate website as a, a buyer looking for a home in a particular area. We will send them an email the next morning and say, hey, Dave, welcome aboard. Are you an investor or are you looking for a house to live in? That would be right. a simple question that we can ask uh, people that you'll get a lot of response. The five star mm-hmm. prospects. See, this is the thing that people get confused about is that we're not creating five star prospects. We're discovering the five star prospects. Yeah. And so yeah. by asking a simple question, if they say, if they respond to that, then the odds are when you reply back to them, they'll be friendly and cooperative and engage with you in a further kind of dialogue, which mm-hmm. now we can steer to number three, which is, do they know what they want? Mm-hmm. And do you know what they want? That's the whole thing. So everything about the dialogue should be about determining what is it that they want. And when you're crystal clear on what they want and that it matches up with what you've got, then we move on to are they ready to get it now? Right. And, and that's where the pain should get it now. Yeah. That's yeah, what your patience is. Yeah. And what, so the other number feels, it never feels like selling. It never feels yeah. like selling. Right. Well, and I think they, my recollection is that, you know, although 15% buy in the first 90 days, I think yeah. it's only like 5% that buy in the first 30 days. Right. right? That's it's exactly like, right. And so, but on the other hand, the average uh, uh, 
you know, I think you coined the term. So many companies put the prospect through the gauntlet. You know, they yeah. just bombard them. And after I, about two weeks, you're yeah. sick of them and they think you're yeah. a deadbeat. That's so they've exactly passed right. up they've passed up ninety-five percent of the opportunities yeah. by not recognizing that that there's only so much you can do to persuade somebody to change their buying time frame. That's exactly right. it. It's just discovering it. You know, mm -hmm. that's the funny thing. Yeah, that gauntlet series was actually that's a term that that internet marketers use that you know, you got to send people through the gauntlet series. And what I really, um, you know, I was uh, speaking at a, a Dan Kennedy event and I looked up the word gauntlet and found out that it's actually a military punishment where <laughs> yeah. a man was forced to run through a line of, of uh, other men who were beating him with a stick. Right. Until he got through the other side. And that's how that was your punishment. If you once you ran the gauntlet, then you were, you know, considered disciplined kind of thing. And I think that's what we're that's exactly how your prospects feel that some of them are gonna feel um you yeah, know, like they're gonna they've run the gauntlet. They've yeah, how how well would they do if they transparently said, "Hey, Mister Prospect, how would you like to go through our punishing, annoying uh, yeah. gauntlet? What, what do right. you think?" I'd say exactly. the take rate would, would be low. Well, um, so hey, I'd like to switch gears and talk about okay. a couple. And so this is this is great stuff. I don't want to minimize it, but there's a couple other things I want to talk to. And there's a couple concepts that I believe you either invented or at least you created a name for and so this okay. is the this is the quiz part of the podcast so i'm going to okay, quiz you here see. okay so the first one is what is the alternative to the mainland mm, cloudlandia <laughs> ding yeah. ding ding you are correct yeah. that is the first okay, one good. and then let's get to the next one and then i'm going to come back and, and go into more okay. detail so the second one is let's say an entrepreneur gets an idea he wants to move forward on. He thinks it's the greatest opportunity ever. But if he's yeah. not careful, he'll get stuck. And yeah. if he gets stuck, what's the first question he should ask himself? Mm, okay. So my um, thing is, I would say, who can do this for me would be the question that ding, I Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, who? <laughs> and there's a sh you have a shorter term for it, right? Yeah. Who, well, not that, how. That's exactly right. Yes. And that's what, so we'll, we'll come back to that one. But so okay. let's, let's, let's jump into the Cloudlandia idea here. Okay. So, so the mainland versus Cloudlandia. So right. uh, tell us, tell us what, what this means. Well, we're seeing right now, and this is, you know, before, as we're recording this, the, you know, we're in the midst of the, um, the, quarantine. Everybody's kind of yep. staying at home. Nothing like we've ever seen before. But up until this point, even. By the way, let me was, just interject. Let me interject. Dean. Uh -huh. So we're recording on April 8th of 2020. So go ahead. There we go. Perfect. And so everybody, um, up until this point, we were seeing already a mass migration of people into the cloud as the main world. 
right? That this was the thing. It's happened over the last 20 years. That 20 years ago, the main focus of our world was the mainland. And the internet was a slight distraction from the real world. And then over time, as we got more and more into the decade, that we've seen that the transition has happened, that the main world is in the cloud now. Online is the main uh, thing. Cloudlandia is what we call it. We've all migrated to Cloudlandia. And we have to really put things in place to carve out time to do things on the mainland. You know, that, that we really are, um, our whole lives are moving faster and faster towards being sort of cloud dependent. I remember in the 90s, there was a mainstream magazine that had a journalist lock themselves in a New York City apartment for a week with their only means of communication, the internet, right? To see if they could survive for a week on just the internet. And, you know, he struggled and found a restaurant that was online and he was able to order Chinese food and have that delivered to his, uh, to his apartment. And now the daring thing would be to see if you could lock yourself in a New York City apartment and survive for a week without the internet. Right. That's really where we're at now, is that it's not just this, um, you know, this little distraction in from our mainland worlds. It's the main world now. And, you know, you, God forbid, but you imagine what the disruption would be like if they said, we're going to have to shut down the internet for the next 60 days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we so are like so a, fortunate that all we're seeing right now is a mainland disruption. Right. You know, but could you imagine the impact of having to shut down the internet for 60 days? Oh, for sure. I was listening to a podcast this morning about a guy that specializes in uh, uh, e-commerce. Yeah. And like he works with all these companies, you know, these little companies who sell things through Amazon. And he was talking about how their business, you know, all of his clients' businesses have exploded in the last 30 yeah. days. Mm-hmm. And, I, and uh, yeah, and so like a really simple example might be like, say, a movie, right? Like 20 years ago, in theory, I mean, assuming you weren't watching it like on cable, you had to go to a movie theater, right? You had to yes. get in your car and drive to the movie theater and wait in line and buy a ticket and then hope you got a good seat. And then, you know, hope there wasn't sticky popcorn on the floor, right? Right. And then you had to watch 30 minutes of previews. And then when you left, you had to fight the crowd out to get out. And now you just, you sit down in your comfy chair and 30 seconds later on Netflix, you're watching a movie. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, so life's getting better. And even when you do go to the movies now, that's elevated. the. It still coexists, but it's elevated the movie experience. Now when right. you go to the movies, the movie theaters are much nicer. They've got reclining seats. They bring you food. They, you know, all right. that stuff. And you didn't wait in line for your ticket because right. you bought it on Cloudland. You bought it ahead of time. That's right. 
So now let's let's switch gears. I can't believe how the, the time is just flying by. So let's talk about the other concept I mentioned, the the who not how. And mm-hmm. so what does this mean and what uh what kind of is there a story what kind of prompted this? I think this came yeah. from a conversation that you had with Dan, wasn't it? Well I was yeah, around procrastination. Yeah, that that's the thing that, you know, often when an entrepreneur is faced with a new idea, an idea of what? This is that's really what a, a um, an idea is is a what it's a what mm-hmm. you want to do. Here's an idea for you. This is what you should do, and and an entrepreneur sees it and says, "Yeah, I should do that. I want to do that." Now they're at the crossroads. Now they've got a choice, and they can go down the choice of how do I do that. And now they've got to go down that long winding road, writing a blank check with the only resource we have that's non-renewable. We don't know how long it's going to take for you to learn how to do whatever that new thing that you want to do is. And then even when you learn how to do it, now you still have to then do it slowly and poorly because it's your first time doing it until you get to done, right? Now, mm-hmm. if you are at that same crossroad, and instead of saying, how do I do that? You ask yourself, who can do that for me? Yeah. Now, yep. the great thing is when you find a who, they're going to bring the how with them. And they're mm-hmm. going to save you all that time because anything that somebody, anything that somebody anywhere has already done, is just a technical problem that the answer is known and you just need to know how to do it or find somebody who does know how to do it and just describe your what, describe what you want. And then you're done. Once you articulate it and describe it to the right who, now you're done and you get to stay on that high road of the high value thing is going out and discovering what else you could do. Because you don't have to spend any units of time on on how. Well, and I have a perfect example of this that will, I'm sure, resonate with you about Three years ago, you know, I was uh, quite a, uh, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I thought it'd be kind of neat if I had a podcast. And so this idea kind of, and then, you know, I'd maybe do a little research, you know, how to do a podcast. And and it appeared I needed some kind of microphone and some kind of gear and, and there was all these things. And so, so I had this idea, classic case. I'd like to do the podcast. And then I started instinctively saying, well, what do I need to do? Or how do I do this podcast? How do you do that? Yeah. So this goes on for a couple of years. And I, you know, talk to other entrepreneurs. Wouldn't you like a podcast? Yeah. Nobody makes progress. Well, then about uh, nine months ago, I get an email from one of your uh, colleagues, or maybe it was from you. And the question was, hey, how would you like to have a podcast? Yeah. if you'd like the podcast, just like say yes, and you'll have a podcast. And and so the IC Disc Show is a product of that interaction. And I said, yeah, I don't have to know what to do to have a podcast or how to do it. I just need to know who. 
And right. the funny thing about it is when I launched this about six or eight months ago with your company, I was so excited and I shared it with other entrepreneurs and who also wanted a podcast. And I probably shared it with 10 entrepreneurs and they all said, well, that service is really interesting, but you know, I'm not sure it's for me because you know, I'm about ready to launch my podcast as it is. I've got my microphone, I have the yeah. whole thing. And you know, Dean, I'm sure you'll not be surprised. None of those other 10 entrepreneurs have a podcast. Yeah. And I have a podcast. Now, is it the greatest sound quality like in the whole world? Is it produced in a studio? No. But we it call turns it out NPR. Yeah, it's not NPR quality. But let's face it, we're not uh we're not talking about NPR. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a good enough uh a good enough solution. So yeah. yeah, so no, I've I've experienced this uh, this firsthand, and I find that uh, so many of my life or, or business opportunities are so much easier by just asking that one question: who, mm -hmm. uh, who, not how. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, a couple other items I'd like to to discuss because I I could spend the whole time just delving into any of these. So, um, uh. Uh, what was the, so I think you referred to this time we're in as the quarantine and I've That's thought right. about this and I've chosen, and I think this was influenced by Dan. And when we talk about Dan, we're talking about Dan Sullivan, the founder of strategic coach, the best coaching organization on the planet for entrepreneurs, in my opinion, and mm -hmm. I suspect yours as well. Absolutely. Um, and so, uh, and so some of this I might've gotten from Dan, but I prefer to label this, the pause and the restart. So we're currently in the pause, and then one day we're going to have the all clear sign and we're going to have the restart. And so Dan invented a question called the R factor question, as you are well aware. And the question goes something like this. Hi, Dean, if you and I were sitting down three years from now and looking back over these three last three years, what needs to have happened for you to be satisfied with your progress, both personally and professionally? Yeah. So, but I have a version of this I've been asking people lately, and I'd love to get your uh, reaction to it. So okay. my version is, Dean, if we're sitting down three years from now, and we're looking back over those three years, what do you think the probability is that you will be more likely to say A or B? A is the pause and the restart destroyed my business and my life. Or the pause and the restart was the greatest opportunity in the history of my business. Mm -hmm. Which one would you be more likely to lean to if you just had to guess? Oh, for me? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm already looking at it as a slingshot. It's yeah. a, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be uh, one of the greatest things ever. Um, just because it's opening up so many uh, possibilities. The greatest benefit of all of this is that we as a country now are going to be familiar with and accustomed to virtual gathering. And mm -hmm. that is a, that's a big, uh, that's a big thing. I mean, um, I can't tell you how, how big that is. Um, and this it opens and if I could... so many opportunities. Sure. Well, and to just interject, to give some context here, you have a program, uh, I believe the name is the Breakthrough Blueprint, right? That's right. Yep. And you historically do what, about 
eight or 10 of these events a year. That's right. Yep. And you typically have, call it an average of, for easy math, 10 people at, at yep. an event. That's and, right. Uh, and I think you're, you, the, the investment for somebody to attend this event is about five grand. Right. So, that's right. so on the surface, you just do some quick math and you're like, that's, and these are in-person events, right? Yes. So right. on the surface, you would think, you know, one might wonder, well, Dean, how can this be good for your business? Because like, a, mm-hmm. you know, one of the significant, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of annual revenue are oh, yeah. now off the table for you. So, oh, yeah, yeah. But I know you have an answer to this because I know uh-huh. you had a breakthrough blueprint scheduled that you had to change. So <laughs> tell did, us yeah. about tell us about it and what you learned and why you're so excited about this opportunity. So tell people well, first a little bit about the event. How is it normally yeah, structured? Sure. So yeah, this is something that is a three day um, event we do in a boardroom style. So ten to twelve people. Um, at the events and it's three days just going deep and applying the eight profit activators to all of the businesses that are there. So you came to one of those events and you got to see the, the model. Um, yep. and two years ago in Orlando. Yeah. It's, it's a very intimate, um, uh, gathering time flies when you're there, but the ideas and the, um, understanding that people leave with of the opportunities in their business is uh, it's just so rewarding to see it um, unfold. Now, this time of year, um, I am normally, um, most of the events I do here in Florida, but I also do a little world tour each year. So I go, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I had, um, five events scheduled between, you know, March, middle of March and July 4th, including Orlando, Toronto, London, Amsterdam, and all of those events are off the table. So like you said, you do the quick math, it's a swing of, of hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially because some of those people who attend those will also become consulting clients on the back of mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so there's, you know, you could either be, um, you know, <laughs> uh, distraught by that or you adapt, right? And you start to think, well, what is actually the outcome that we get from it? I mean, the, the benefit of it is that we get to spend the time in depth in the boardroom having the conversations that lead to the breakthroughs. And that is something that we could do virtually. And so Zoom, um, you know, is a great environment to have a a 10 or 12 person meeting in that everybody, it's just as intimate as being in the boardroom. And I, I did an event two weeks ago that we had exactly that experience. I had people from Las Vegas, from Canada. Uh, we had someone from Belgium, someone from Bangkok, and we all gathered in the the virtual uh, boardroom and had an amazing experience. And so I'm I'm I got a taste of 
what that's like. And I realized, boy, it's so great to be at home too. Cause we were all then at the end of the day, we're in our own homes, which is just so much, uh, so exciting. You know, I think, yeah, so sleeping I, in your I'm, own bed and yeah, but I'm super excited about the, uh, the future here. And it opens up a lot of new avenues for, um, doing these kinds of events where you don't have to necessarily um, get it all into three days because we could spread it out a little bit um, in that, you, you know, it's not the um, no travel. So you can, right. you don't have that, uh, you don't have to kind of make it all batched. Um, oh, you have like a really that. good point. You could spread yeah. it out over like every other day for a week. So people could have a day and then they could have a day to kind of digest it. That's all. it. So what we settled on was we did two days, um, two days from starting at 10 o'clock and we would end by five and with a lunch break and a couple of uh, a break in the morning, a break in the afternoon. And then instead of doing a third day, I just set aside um, a 90 minute consultation for each of the participants to schedule at some point after the event, after they've started implementing some of the stuff to, um, to do a follow up and, and, uh, you know, specifically help with their situation. And so it's, it's works out tremendously. You know, it's a great, I think, um, uh, a wonderful experience. And I'm, I'm super excited about doing more events just like that. Yeah, I can, I can see why. So, um, uh, have you heard Dan Sullivan's theory that this pause and restart again, this is the way I've, I've yeah. chosen to label this from now on yeah. is, is the pause and the restart that it'll be like a game of monopoly because Dan says, you know, when you play monopoly, you, you finish the game, there's a winner, there's a loser. Then all the yeah. pieces go back in the board and then you yeah. start a new game and you may not get yeah. the top hat or you may not get the right. horse. It's a whole new right. game, but it's still the same game. It's monopoly. Yeah. And yeah. Dan says, it's like Monopoly, except, you know, the pieces all go back in. But when it comes out, it's not even the same game anymore. That everybody right. on Earth has had their game put back into the box and they take it yeah. back out and the pieces are different. The board's different and the rules yeah. different. Yeah. What uh, what do you think of that? I think that's absolutely true. And you're either going to adapt or you're going to pine away for the old game. And in a lot of ways, the old game's not coming back, right? right so right. you either you adapt, and um, I think that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I know Henry Ford uh, reportedly said, uh, it's one of my favorite quotes, and he reportedly said, whether a man thinks he can or he thinks he can't, he is right. That's exactly right. And, and I think this quote could be tweaked for our situation. And here's what I'm thinking. I'd love to get your reaction to this. So if you think the pause and, and the restart will ruin your business in your life, or whether you think it will end up being the best thing that ever happened to your business, you're right. 
Mm-hmm. What do you, What do you think? Yes, I agree, hundred percent. And that's what? the thing when you focus on yep. like, that. When I when you know I had the event scheduled for March, and then of course I had these future events. That I started seeing. Okay, um, I could have focused on what I'm not able to do, and that would lead you down a path of of despair kind of thing, I think. It would be easy mm-hmm. to, to do that or be victimized by it. Um, or I could set it behind, just get through the, the grief curve and get on the other side and just start moving forward on what is possible now. What's not affected is, is Cloudlandia. So let's just jump aboard and, uh, and realize that's what's going on. One of the things that I've psychologically been um, kind of focused on is, you know, I, as a tennis player, the thing that was, I think, the greatest life lesson I got out of that is what a sports psychologist taught me, that every shot makes somebody happy. That's really the reality of playing tennis, right? Right. We're playing and I hit the ball out. That makes you happy, but it doesn't make me happy. And that the best position to be in is to take the view of the umpire who just sees the ball in or out without Mm -hmm. any emotional attachment to it. And so if you can do that and then, you know, do what you need to do, um adapt that's that's the best uh that's the best thing yeah it uh it seems like it the the part that um that's that's um dis- uh, maybe discouraging is too strong but you hear the you hear about the numbers of people that are playing video games you know how that's just skyrocketed mm-hmm. and streaming yeah. skyrocketed and i'm like yeah these same people are the ones in three years who are going to say this thing ruined their life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I, and it strikes me that it seems like the majority of Americans have the ability to influence their answer to that question. I asked three years from now, right. Was mm-hmm. the pause and the restart, the, the worst thing that happened to you and did it ruin your life or was it the chance of a lifetime? Yeah, and it seems like most people, and, you know, and there's always, you know, exceptions. Some people just got lucky, like the, all the Amazon sellers. You know, they just kind of got lucky with this, right? Right. Uh, or, or you know, maybe not quite lucky, but you know, things. Right. You know, they had a business model that was suddenly enhanced. Yeah. And I can appreciate somebody who's been a restaurateur their whole life, and they've got three restaurants, and you know, they maybe aren't going to restart them and they're you know maybe toward the twilight of their career and they're just not up for a comeback so but i think it seems to me that like the vast majority of americans have the ability to choose which their outcomes might be yes yeah i agree and that's that's one of the great things of being in um in a free market country like that, you know, mm-hmm. that we can literally choose our, our path. 
Right. It's, uh, it's amazing. I was telling a friend of mine the other day that, you know, he said, you know, you're always so optimistic and you always see the glass half full. And I explained to him that I'm not that way naturally. I'm really kind of a pessimist and, uh, uh, and I tend to see the glass half empty. But when I chose to become an entrepreneur about 15 years ago, I realized those are mutually exclusive. You can't be an entrepreneur Ah, and a pessimist. Like you have to decide which is more, which is more important to you, maintaining your, your affiliate, your affinity for being a a pessimist or being an entrepreneur. So for me, like one of the greatest things about becoming an entrepreneur is I had no choice, but to change my mindset from one of all the things wrong to all the opportunities that Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's it's so exciting. There's so much opportunity. Yeah. So what else, I guess, in the five minutes we have left? Uh, uh, well, here, first of all, let's get your website out. DeanJackson.com, right? D-E-A-N-Jackson.com. And it's a yeah. unique website because it's, uh, it's just, uh, uh, how would you describe your website? Well, it's like a holding company in a way. <laughs> right. All of the uh, all the different projects and uh, companies that we have um, going on. But a good place to start is there's a, a free book there called Breakthrough DNA that explains the eight profit activators and everything that's the foundation of what we uh, talk about. So that's the good place to start. And uh, from there, you get access to all the podcasts and everything from there. And if they happen to download your free book, they can have confidence that if they're not uh, uh, looking to uh, to engage further next week, you're not going to put them through the gauntlet, are you? Right. There's no gauntlet series. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're a gauntlet free zone. That's a gauntlet free zone. Conversations only. That's right. Awesome. Well, Dean, is there anything else on your mind that you think we should have discussed, but we didn't? I think this is, you know, I I think that the um, opportunity that that we really have right now while we're in this sort of Groundhog Day um, situation, you know, we got nothing but time to catch up on sleep and to uh, you know, develop the the habits and the routines uh, that we want to carry through. And this is it's it's a gift that we've got right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, I uh, I agree. Well, Dean, uh, I really appreciate you uh, you being on the podcast. That was fun. And, uh, that went fast. Yeah, it uh, it it sure did. I appreciate you being on here, and I appreciate your uh, your friendship and great business ideas in marketing leadership that I've enjoyed over the last several years uh, from knowing you. So thank you very much. Thanks. All right. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's I-C-D-I-S-C 
SHOW.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.